Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Score North Twin Show. Up, we were down, we were all over the place in the game. Uh, good team on the other side of the field, but our team is, is tough. And uh, we kept working, never never uh, relented really at any point. Um, I, I had chills after the game. I was so impressed with our group that, you know, not, not every game. The, the game-winning homers sometimes, you know, everyone's talking about and it's great and, and all that. Um, that's how you fight and win a ball. That's what it looks like. That's what actually fighting and winning a ball game looks like. Okay, De- Declan prepared us for that Rocco clip before we clicked record here and turned the microphones on and said, your heads might explode when you listen to Rocco describe that extra innings win yesterday. I, shockingly maybe, I stand with Rocco. Okay, not every game is going to be clean. Not every game is going to be aesthetically pleasing or play out the way that you want. Sometimes you're going to be down by five. You're going to make some dumb mistakes in the field on the bases. And what have we said about this with like the Vikings in the past? Just overcome it. Who cares? Overcome it. If you're the twins, overcome it. Some Overcome some of the self-inflicted stuff. I loved that win for the Twins yesterday, and I thought that was one of the biggest weekends of the season for the hometown nine. Fight well, me, Judd. Fight me. They won three of four, but here, so I don't, okay, they won the game. But this show, a lot of times we talk about self-awareness. The quote there is, we got a lot to clean up. We're very fortunate. Thank God that we won, but to get chills, I had chills too. They were flu-like symptoms from watching the absolute, like the, the, it's one thing to have a game where things go against you, right? Which, you know, sports constantly like to overcome adversity of things that you can't control, but to sit there and shoot yourself in the foot all of those times. And for the manager to say he had chills about it, Joey Gallo, Donovan Salant. I mean, the extras were a breakdown in how not to play baseball and were an indictment in some ways of the manager himself. Like, what's Joey Gallo doing? Dude, you go and pinch run for Vasquez at second as the man for man, and I get that. And he claimed he was tagging up. That's a bunch of crap. If you're tagging up, you're on the base waiting to go. He's trying to – you don't tag up and scurry to get back. Like, what are you doing? And Solano <laughs> ran into an out at third base and said, "I the, we go on contact there. We go, well, maybe you shouldn't go on contact there, dude, because he scores. And look, Texas, Texas was atrocious too. 
Texas played a terrible game too. So I'm not making excuses and saying, well, the Rangers played well. This was horse bleep at its highest level. And all I'm looking for from Rocco is the self-awareness to say, you know what, we're incredibly fortunate, but we will be working. We will be working on our base running tomorrow before the game against Cleveland. Declan, remember a couple weeks ago yep. when we asked the question, yep. "Hey Judd, if the Twins win a playoff game, I'll be disgusted. Will will, will yes, you, you will you be happy?" And you said you paused and said, "It depends on what it looks yes. like." If Declan, like- I think we have seen this. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday's win Thank has you. has Thank irritated you. Judd to no end. That if that was a playoff game. <laughs> You would right, Declan. I think yes. we, I think we nailed this. I, uh, I was gonna put out yeah. yesterday after his like last tweet of over under oh. Judd rant two and a half minutes to start the twin show on <laughs> on just the disgustingness that did take place in the extra innings. I think he hit the over. I think he hit, think the, he over, hit the over. So bravo, Judd. <laughs> there are little league teams. There are little league teams. Every Sundays at Target field our kids get to run the bases day post game okay <laughs> every one of those little kids that ran the bases knew more than solano or gallo about what they were doing in those 90 feet between the bases or so on sunday it's yeah like, it's like it's like some six-year-olds like, and joey gallo running straight to second base from home plate you know, no you gotta, a, go, you gotta go this way dude, it was around. a foul out to first base it wasn't like to the outfield it wasn't okay uh, let's dissect this first. Thing. By the way, welcome into the Score North Twin Show, where we just want the Twins to win a damn playoff you know game. Okay, you're right. Though I would not be happy with this. If this was a playoff <laughs> win, I will get on here and I will vehemently say this is exactly what I was talking about. And the, and the, it's the state of the Twins Monday here, presented by our friends at Modest. We'll get we'll get back to the Gallo thing and, and a bunch of key categories and and whatever. But uh, Modest has a glorious tap room in the North Loop. In fact, my wife and I were walking around in the area. We went to the game on Friday, and we walked right by it. Um, uh, usually, I would go in. We were we were trying to get back home, but right next to Target Field, cans available in liquor stores throughout the metro, including the 19 ounce stovepipes of some modest mainstays. That's right, 19 ounce stovepipes. <laughs> uh, the Super Deluxe Premium Lager has been my go to modest throughout the summer here. It's one of the coolest craft breweries in the Twin Cities. Open in 2016. Steps from Target Field. Modestbrewing.com. Modestbrewing.com. Okay. Um, before we get to, uh, like, the, the official state of the Twins thing, let's just, the, the gal. I've been thinking about this Gallo base running blunder since it happened. So, it's 5-5, five to five, I believe. was It was a tie game. It was 5-5, to five, right? Uh, bottom of the 11th inning. And for those of you who didn't see this. Yep. Yep. So we've, he's, he has come in as the Manfred man. He is the, the runner on second base to start the inning. So there's nobody out. And a pop-up is hit in foul, not even like near the foul line. I mean, it's so where, well, if it, if it drops, I need to be ready to move to third base, right? This is a pop-up that is drifting out of play toward the dugout. Twins dugout. To the first, uh, the first base dugout, yep. Yep. And so, and so Rangers fielder goes over. And makes this catch, kind of like catches it and kind of leans over the railing, like half of his body kind of goes over the railing. He looks up, he fires a missile to second base, and Gallo is like frantically trying to get back to the bag and gets tagged out by a mile. So there's no danger of the ball being fair, right? I could see like, oh, if it's on the edge, you want to be like halfway, maybe so you can get to third base with nobody he out. He was leaning over, like he, he, he almost, almost fell in the dugout. himself. 
on the dugout. So yes, that ball was going to be out of play before yes. it was ever going to drift back into fair territory. So he was right. either just completely spacing out on his secondary lead and he's still just standing out there paying no attention. Or some people have suggested it was actually a heads up play that he that he initially tagged and then and then started it was off camera maybe he had tagged maybe someone who 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 saw like who was at the ballpark and confirmed. Did he tag is my question. Because if he tagged and the ball was caught, we couldn't see him when the ball was caught. He might have been thinking, if he catches it and falls into the dugout, then I'm going to tag up and run to third, right? But if that happens, don't you get the extra base anyways? Or would you have to tag no, and actually make to an tag. effort You'd to go to, to third? He did. So okay. I, I was there. He did tag, but he okay. screwed it up so badly. So he tagged. The guy caught the ball. He got, I mean... He was literally, though, steps off the base. And then he's like, oh, I can't make it. And then he, like, went Larry Moen curly and stumbled and fell down, <laughs> then tried to get back up. But, I mean, it was just, no matter what it was, it was just a, he was completely unaware of, like, what the results might be. And you, again, you are the free runner at second base. You can't afford to lose. Now, in a playoff game, that does not take place, of course, because the man for man goes away i understand that but it was just the sort of like what the hell are you thinking like like if he had been thrown out a third i'd be like okay that was a risk and i don't love it but i get the play like that's a big league that's a big league mistake this was honest to god a babe ruth league mistake yeah this has been enough for me a joey gallo like it's just it's 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 time to go what 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 else do we need from joey gallo taking up a roster spot here and that was like I, I I went back and rewatched this. I found this on YouTube. Remember in 2009, the ALDS when Punto ran over third, like Denard Span. It's a it's a great double up the middle. I think the Twins were down two runs. Would have been John runners Gordon at second pissed. and third, and Punto runs past third base. A Rod sees it, and him and Jeter basically tag him out, no problem. That is the style of play that Judd is talking about, though. That will cost you a playoff game. Dumb situations like that. And for me, I'm even more out on Joey Gallo than I have already already been. Uh, offensively, by the way, uh, and then we'll move on to other things here, many of them more positive than this. If you take away the random four-hit game, you, hell, you can even include it in the numbers okay. I'm about to give you, but let's just take that. He had a random four-for-four four game like a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago. If you take that out, Joey Gallo has five hits since July 17th. That's yeah, a six. That's, that's a six-week stretch. He has five hits in six weeks. And 40 strikeouts, Texas 40 right. strikeouts, five hits. Now, let's add the four hits back in. It's still only nine hits in six weeks with 40 strikeouts. Yikes. Yeah. was right. I don't think it's hyperbole to say he's one of the most useless baseball players in Major League Baseball right now. I think I he's one of the most useless he, baseball players in Major League Baseball. I hate to be mean. And I think, and I think if you rewound to, like, if you put the season he's having in 2019 – I could justify it because the ball was juiced and jumped out of the park, but the ball now is not juiced. And and to Declan's point, this is where you need guys who are going to come off the bench and contribute. Like this is again, between the margins, right? The sort of between the margins. What's the, what are the little, what's that little percent that's going to make you better than the team that you're playing that day, especially in a playoff game. So Yeah. But anyway, that was one of the worst. The the extra inning fundamental breakdowns was difficult to watch for me. Yeah. 
So let's let's get to the state of the twins here. I've got the overall snapshot for you, and then yeah. I've got three categories. Okay. So overall snapshot. Twins are sixty-eight and sixty-three. Based on their run differential, which is like a it's like, it's like plus fifty, I want to say, somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. They should be a seventy or a seventy-one win team instead of sixty-eight. So they're actually underperforming their run differential right now, hmm. according to baseball reference. But they still remain six games ahead of the Guardians. The Twins offense from last week is up from 19th to 14th in runs per game scored. They've had post All-Star. Yes, post-All-Star game, it's a lot better. You are right. But, but the Twins run prevention and pitching is down to 7th in runs allowed per game. The magic number is 26. 26. And Just Cleveland in for three game. now, so that could, could be 20 by. if you sweep yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. According to baseball reference, the Twins have a 95% chance to make the playoffs. Fangraphs gives them a 96% chance to make the playoffs. So they're, they're, they have virtually clinched, barring some crazy circumstance. Uh, baseball reference, 3% chance to win the World Series. Fangraphs, 4% chance to win the World Series. If the playoffs started today right now, the three-seed Twins would host the six-seed Houston Astros in a three-game wildcard series. But with the way things are trending and baseball can change quickly, they are on the precipice of hosting the Texas Rangers, who I can tell you right now, I wouldn't mind getting. That bullpen's not good. They can't hit right now. Now, that could change quickly. But um, if you get Texas, if you get Texas in anything that resembles the current state, let's just say you'd have a pretty damn good chance. Yeah, it's tough, though, now because, like, Texas is going through their worst stretch of the season. It could turn around completely in a yeah. month from now. So there's still so many hit. things. That lineup, yeah. I will say this. I I don't like their bullpen. I don't know that that bullpen is going to be good. Yeah, they're they're going to have to win games like seven to six and yes. nine to five and stuff, it. right? You're right. So category number one, gentlemen, Royce Lewis and uh, Edward Julian as well. I'm going to put both these guys into this talker are among the uh, hottest starts to a Twins career in franchise history. So this morning, thanks to our friends at stathead.com, I went in and I plugged in the first 50 games of of a Twins player's career, minimum 100 plate appearances. And and I just sorted it by OPS. Have you seen this uh, this list, by the way? Did you, Declan probably saw it on Twitter. I saw your tweet. Okay, yep. but have you have you combed Impressive. through? Did you study the the table no. or? So can no. I can I quiz you? Sure. Okay. Who do you think? Which Twins player in history got off to the hottest start? First fifty games, OPS or on base plus slugging. Actually, if you can name the top three, anyone in the top three: Edward okay. Julian, fourth. Oh wow! Okay. Royce Lewis, fourteenth. Okay. Um, top three is Kent Herbeck in the top three. Kent Herbeck is 10th. Okay. Is Tony Oliva in the top three? Tony Oliva is number one. Yeah. He is. So he had his first 50 games, which, by the way, he played uh, a few games in 1962 and then a few games in 63, and then he then he was Rookie of the Year in 1964. Yeah. So his 50 games came kind of over the course of a few years. He had a 1,068 OPS, yeah. a 387 batting average in his first 50 games with nine home runs. Hall of Famer. Um, 
let me let me give this a little bit of quick thought here. Rod Carew. Rod Carew is not in the top twenty. Oh wow, that's surprising. Okay, I'll take one more guess and then we can move on because I'm. It could, this is kind of fun, actually. It's kind of all fun. day. Um, I'm going to guess Killebrew doesn't qualify because he started as a senator. I'll I'll give you a hint that the the other two in the top three are are uh, of more of the modern era in the millennium. In the millennium, in the two oh, thousands. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. And they're both um, very. You be you're going to be like. Oh yeah, totally. With both these guys. In the two thousands. In two thousand. In the year two thousand. Interesting. Um one of them we like to we like to chant his name. Well, it's not I mean, the chant about it, chant might not be the right word, but like we like to say his name, his first name. Lou Ford. Oh god, okay. Yeah. Just give give, give me the last two. I'm okay. I wouldn't I, I have no chance of getting Lou Ford. I wouldn't. Lou, really? Years. Lou Ford batted three. Yeah, I, I thought it was like one of the most pro him and, and Minkiewicz, but Minkiewicz <sighs> kind of came up and stopped and started. Right. Uh, but Lou Ford came up and batted like 400 in his first few weeks. He had a 351 average through the first 50 games. And then Miguel Sano has the third highest OPS through the first 50 games. He had 13 homers and 40 RBI in his first 50 games as a Minnesota twin. Yeah, he did get off to a good start. That, that's Insane. true. Yeah, that's not surprising. I'm just going to read you the other names on the hottest starts in Twins history. Oliva, Ford, Sano, Julian, Mike Ryan. Yeah. Rich Rollins. That's way back. That's 1961. Yeah, 60s. Joe Maurer, David Ortiz, Steve Lombardozzi. Maybe Dex hey, can who, look that Lambo. one up. Who's that? What happened? Lambo. Lambo. Yeah, perhaps Declan can look that up for me. Kent Herbeck was 10th. Marty Cordova, 11th. Hosmiel yep. Pinto, 12th. Oh, yeah. Ooh, really? Luis Arise, 13th, just ahead of Royce Lewis. Dave Edwards from the late 70s. Denard oh, yeah. Spann, Greg it. Nettles, Williams Astadio, Danny Valencia, and Danny Santana. are the. Those are the 20 hottest starts really? based on OPS to a Twins career. Yeah. That's a hodgepodge of names right there. Some That's are some of the greatest Twins players of yeah. all time. Some are complete busts like Mike Ryan. And then Royce Lewis, you'd think maybe this is a good sign for his career, but the Grand Slam. So Royce Lewis, too, in, in high leverage situations through those first 50 games. Royce Lewis, this is like close, late, game on the line, high leverage situations. Royce Lewis is hitting 371 with a 657 slugging percentage. He's clutch. He's smooth. He's charismatic. I don't know what more you want from a guy. I don't. He's good. He's good. He's very good. He should be your, I mean, I, I would prefer that he plays third base as much as possible. And I believe he was at DH on Sunday, but yeah, no, Royce Lewis is the type of baseball player that puts a smile on your face. He's fun to watch. He makes baseball look fun. He is, um, he is a guy who, when, when he delivered the grand slam, like there's a genuine excitement too. It's just, he, he is, if we're talking about cornerstone type of players, he should be a cornerstone player for a long time. I really like him. Yeah, out, so. outside of probably Maurer, and I know Luisa Rise became a fan favorite pretty quick, but Luisa Rise was not like a perennial top three organizational prospect, wasn't he? I, I don't remember him being no. one of the three no. best in the organization. He was a deep guy and just was a natural hitter. Royce Lewis is like the first real homegrown potential, because he's still young, superstar at this franchise has basically earthed I believe since Joe Maurer. 
Am I wrong? I mean, yeah. Well, now that we know what happened with Sano, and now that we know sort of like Buxton's career, yeah. right? It's a great exercise. Yeah, some of these other guys. I mean, Denard Spam was homegrown, but he never rose solid. to the superstar well, level. Lewis has the potential. But, I mean, there there was a time when Sano and Buxton seemed to be tracking that way as well. So, like, it's – like, the thing about Royce is he has torn his knee up twice. So, it, it, it is a, a bit of a hold your breath on the injury front. But, yes, I think he has – I think he has both the talent and charisma. Because that's what I'm – as good as Joe was, he he didn't have that. Like yeah. Royce Lewis has, he's got something about him where if it was more um, acceptable or frequent to name captains in baseball, Royce Lewis strikes you as a future captain. You know who he actually reminds me of the most in terms of homegrown Twins players the last like 25 years is Torrey Hunter. He's got some loves yeah. the game, plays with a joyfulness, follow but all, a follow me, he, but also yes. a little, there's a little bit of an edge. He seems like what I and and Tory definitely fell into this class. He seems, and he clearly was not, but like a pucket influence guy. Uh, well, Tory Hunter like, was like was a, watched, very much yeah, a pucket no, influence guy. Tory was, but Royce Lewis seems like a pucket influenced oh. guy. It's like he watched or was around pucket, which he clearly was not. But you know, Tory, Tory, and that group picked up so much from puck as far as like how they approach the game yeah. and. And they're they're sort of boisterous, but I think it was pretty popular clubhouse demeanors. Um, I don't know if Royce is super boisterous, but he seems like a guy who sort of has has the same type of love for the game that Puck did. Yeah, I think yeah. And, and somebody we did a, a Purple Daily live show at the State Fair, and thanks to everyone for for coming out. And it turned into kind of like a Scornorf Twin show too, because we were taking questions from the audience. It was and- therapy. Just it turned into a therapy session. And somebody asked you about, is there any way you can draw a comparison between the 1987 twins and these twins? Because the 87 twins, you know, they won like 85 games. They won a bad division. They were a flawed team. And then they went on a buzzsaw run through the postseason. Right. And we kind of keep coming back to that team had some bona fide cornerstone stars on it. Even though the full team only won 85 games, you still had Kirby Puckett, who was one of the best players in baseball. And, Kent Herbeck was one of the best hitters in baseball. I do wonder if there's a post, like a, you know, an 87, 91 Kirby Puckett postseason explosion for a Royce Lewis. Joe Maurer never had that. Joe Maurer was also injured for a couple different postseasons. Like Maurer, even Torrey Hunter, like those teams were just swept out of so many playoff runs. It's been a long time since we've seen it. Really, it's been... 2002, A.J. Pruszynski had a grand slam. There were some some big performances when they got to the ALCS, but it's been over 20 years since we've seen someone from a Twins lineup say, I'm going to go gangbusters here and just, I'm going to have like eight RBI in a series and carry this thing. I think Royce Lewis has that in him. I really do. And that's where these young players are going to be the heart heartbeat of this team in the playoffs. It, it's it's the reason why I believe if there's going to be a postseason moment, it's going to be a Royce Lewis or a Kirloff or an Edward Julian type of hit it's can Carlos Correa maybe be that guy sure but I'm not counting on that I'm I'm honestly counting on one of these young guys being the one in the bottom of the seventh in a high leverage situation where you need a big knock that they're going to come through and not maybe the veteran that you paid a lot of money to yeah it's certainly possible the thing too is um and I I think if 
if I'm not mistaken, uh, as part of the clip or the post-game press conference that Baldelli had on Sunday, there, there was some point where he was talking about the, the difference that the guys that Declan is discussing, that they, were, that they weren't here previously. Like, you know, Matty Walner wasn't here and so-and-so wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. This is why they're here now. Like, it, I agree with Declan. I think the young players, like if there's one thing about this team where my attitude has changed, I think the young players have not only brought a lot at the plate and played well, but there's also sort of a refreshing way about things, right? Like they, they appear to enjoy this. They appear to, there's a lot of things that they cover up and it does go back to, this is why one, they should play, which they are more now. And two, this is why they belonged here. Like you were sort of making guys earn their way. And my question was why, like when Joey Gallo was playing a ton, it's like, Matt Walner, I think Matt Walner can play. And so, like, I do like the fact that it feels like, for the most part, that there is an acknowledgement now about the difference that these kids can make. Just next time, when a team baits you into putting Julian in the on-deck circle, Rocco, please do me a favor and don't burn him. (laughs) Seriously, man, you know how many things yesterday could have lost you a playoff game? You know how many things you got Bruce Bochy did you? Bruce Bochy did you well, there. He's won like multiple World Series too, dude. There's yeah, there's no shame it, in getting bochied. It, it, yeah. Okay. No, I know, but here's the thing: I would rather have Kyle Farmer face the righty than get cute, knowing full well that in the bullpen, in the bullpen, you got more guys on your coaching staff than God. Somebody say, "Hey, Rocco, there's a lefty up. They're going to bait us into burning Julian." Or just, let, or just let or just let Julian if you commit it if because the rule is if, yeah that's fine if the yeah. guy in the on deck circle is announced right if he's announced as a hitter coming to the he's play, in the game he's in the game and Correct. if you then take him out even if he did not get a plate appearance he can't come back in the game correct so in that situation you're probably better off either just rolling with Julian right I don't know but well not Christian Vasquez okay that's my only thing again I'm looking at the playoffs here. Actually, can we at, let's let's get into another. You know what? I'm going to look at this. I'm, I disagree with something that you said was a mistake. I, I, I mean, everything you've said so far, the Gallo stuff, uh, the getting out chessboarded with the Julian thing. There's definitely things to nitpick, and I agree. And I have issues with Rocco, whatever. But there was something you thought was a bad move on Saturday that I thought was actually a brilliant move that okay. we're going to get to in just a second. After we say hi to our friends at Nutrisource. Nutrisource chicken and rice is the go-to <laughs> breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snack of Maya Mackey. We also have uh, other Nutrisource dogs on this show. It's the official dog food of the Scorner Twin Show. Yeah, look at that. Stella right there taking a picture with, with her training re- rewards treats. In some ways, you could say that Nutrisource has scored a Score North hat trick mm-hmm. because we got three dogs and every one of them, including the Vinster, right, Declan, loves oh, yeah. their Nutrisource. Yeah, Vince, Vinny's a switch hitter. You can put a righty or lefty. It doesn't matter. He's going to he's gonna get both those Nutrisource treats, whether you go lefty, righty, specialist. does not matter. He's a, he's a switch hitter. He's ready for the assignment. You don't have to worry about subbing him in and out. He's ready for his Nutrisource no matter who's on the mound. Pinch hitting for Vincent Goff. <laughs> Christian, Christian Vasquez. Nutrisourcepetfoods.com. Nutrisourcepetfoods.com to find uh, a Nutrisource retailer near you. Now, let's say you've had a little too much Nutrisource. You've been overindulgent with your Nutrisource, and now it's time to lose weight. 
Okay. If you're a human, anyways, you can call our friends at Livia. No, Phil is exactly right. In fact, my friends at Livia Weight Control Centers have been named Minnesota's best weight loss program. Again, a hat trick, three consecutive years, three years in a row, 14 years of changing lives. And that calls for a celebration. And that celebration right now is if you join now, three months free. That's right, three months free, a hat trick of months in which you are going to drop weight, feel fantastic, and you are just starting on a program that is going to work. 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A, Livia.com. Livia, L-I-V-E-A. Dot com. Don't eat Nutrisource, but if you're enjoying that human food and a bit too much, your next call or your next check to the website should be Livia.com. Yes. Yes, indeed. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Okay, so on Saturday, the only game that the Twins lost to the Rangers here, we go into, I'm just going to pull up the details here too on uh, Baseball Reference. So we go into the eighth inning. It's 2-2. to It's a tie game. And the Rangers, number one, two, and three hitters are coming to the plate. These are the, these are the three best hitters in the Rangers lineup. You had Marcus Semien, Corey Seager, and Nathaniel Lowe. So, yeah, it's a tie game. It's not a safe situation. And the Twins turn to Duran here. So, they had, so Pagan got through a clean inning and they decide, okay, now that the lineup's turning over, he got the bottom of the order out. That, and that's how you should use Pagan. Lower the leverage for him, the better. Now they bring Duran in to face the three best hitters in the league and one of the best one, two, three hitter combinations in the, in the entire game, right? And Duran buzzes through these guys. Uh, actually, there was a there was a single, and then he buzzes through with the strikeout, and then gets the uh, gets the strike him out, throw him out, double play, and that was a wrap on the inning. And I saw Judd and a lot of other people complaining, and then and then Griffin Jacks comes in for the ninth, and he's in the middle of a bad stretch here, and things go haywire. Four runs score. Dylan Floro came in after Jacks made a mess of it. But I saw Judd and some other people saying, well, why would you burn Duran in the eighth? Why wouldn't you wait for a better spot to bring him in? This was the perfect spot to use Duran. Tie game, eighth inning, three best hitters coming up, and you got to put out this fire. So I thought as much as we rip Rocco on this show and some of the Twins' philosophies and whatever, this was a great example of not being beholden to a closer's role. Oh, he can't Mm -hmm. come in unless it's a save situation. You got the three best hitters. If you don't get them out, the ninth inning might not matter. So I actually loved the deviation from the roles in the eighth inning there. And then, of course, like you're going to have to bring other guys in later. You're either going to bring, bring in Jax to face those three guys or somebody else. They made it easier on Jax, and he still couldn't get the outs. To me, it was a great decision that just didn't have a good result. And if Jax was pitching well, that the problem is this. And I, I think my frustration on Saturday was born from the fact that once Duran got done, and that's fine, I guess. Uh, the Jax is struggling now. And like that, so to your point, it became a mess. And it's just, I think my frustration is 
it would be very nice to have a little bit more uh, trustable bullpen depth there. Cause I, I get your point uh, on Duran and I actually don't have as big a problem with that. Probably. It was just more of a frustration of the fact that Jax came in and it's not like he's going great guns and it became a mess, unfortunately. Um, and then Floro who actually did get the win on Sunday. Um, Floro, I don't really trust much. So I think that was my frustration, though, was the fact that you you were going to back end it with a guy who you would hope is pitching well, but right now, and again, Jax has gone back and forth too. So in his defense, I think he got off to a terrible start, rebounded with a really good, nice stretch. That was more of, of my point, but it would just it would be nice to have more depth. But I'm the one who said too in their de- defense, I wouldn't have made a big trade for a bullpen arm that you trust would be nice. But if the going price was high, I'm not going to bolster this team by trading away more of the future. So I guess in some ways, this is what you're going to get, Mm -hmm. which is if the philosophy is correct, you don't have a guy now behind Duran that you trust. This is what's going to, to take place at times. And it could take place in a playoff game too. Like, that's right. They could do this. This could be the, this could be the blueprint to loss 19 in the playoffs, which is, it's right to send Duran in, but if you do that and Griffin Jacks is scuffling, you don't have another guy unless you're, unless you're going to go to a demoted starter potentially to bring in after Duran. But that's also the cards you're dealt. Like if if you if you have decided that this is clear your playoff roster, which mostly is right now, and you burn Duran in that high leverage situation in the eighth, I mean you just got to eat your lunch there. Like the Brewers did that with Josh Hader a few times in the playoffs a few years ago with Council. Like he brought him in like in the fifth when the middle of the mm-hmm. order was up. And I was like, what are they doing bringing in their... Well, it's the middle of the order. Games on the line. Games on the line. Dodgers, you can't wait yeah. until the ninth to use your best pitcher if you need really three outs right here, right now. And I like that move. Yeah, it, it, Guardy was always like, nope. If Matt Guerrero is our setup man, he is our setup man. We are not burning Joe Nathan in the seventh or eighth inning here. It's Matt Guerrero. It's into Jesse Crane. It's into Joe Nathan. It's going to follow that suit. If you need outs right away from your best arm, got to use them right there. Yeah, so I guess the other option would have been because he only threw twelve pitches. You you could have potentially dragged him out there for a second inning. He's not pitching great right now himself, though. So I I do sort of get that. And if you do bring him out for a second inning, he's not available to pitch in a game yesterday, for instance, that's close and down to the wire. And he did, yeah. you know, he pitched a clean tenth inning to keep that game going. Does somebody else? That's the chain of events. Like if you go two innings with Duran on Saturday, there's no guarantees you win that game. And then he's unavailable Sunday. Does somebody else come in and blow the game on Sunday? So I mean, I mean, I think we can all agree. The ultimate answer is they just the frustration is they need better relievers overall. Well, here's my question: in the playoffs, let's put them in that exact predicament. If that's the predicament, does Louis Varland for if you just say get me three outs? Does he become an option instead of if Jax is scuffling? Now, if Jax is back, he's probably fine. But if Jax is scuffling, is a guy like Varland who can just go out there and throw gas to try and get three outs, does does he become an option that clearly you don't have right now because that roster is not set? This is a perfect segue into the final the final section (laughs) of our State of the Twins here. And that is Dallas Keuchel should start every game for the Twins. You're close. You're getting close. Uh, it's just the the bull the bullpen structuring in the postseason is the category, and 
So uh, the athlete Dan Hayes from the Athletic tweeted this yesterday. The Twins didn't add to their bullpen at the deadline. Instead, they're considering converting starting pitchers Louis Varland and Kenta Maeda to relievers for the playoffs, as well as hoping for help from Brock Stewart, Chris Paddock, or Jorge Alcala. So those are three guys who are injured. I think you have to put them off to the side. But the Varland and Maeda thing is really interesting because now all of a sudden, if 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 you're telling me, hey, okay, my my starting rotation for the playoffs is Jorge Lopez, Sonny Gray, and Joe Ryan, who came back and looked looked like the old Joe Ryan for the most part in his first start back, right? So those are your three starters, and so now I get in addition to Duran, Jax, Thielbar, the the usual suspects. Now I also get Louis Varland to tinker around with, and if he's if he's channeling all of his energy into like 25 pitches, you get one inning, 25 pitches. He's throwing really hard, right? Kenta Maeda, who we'll get to in a second, has a storied career as a playoff reliever. And I would even throw a third name in that mix. Dallas Keuchel came on in relief yesterday. They handcuffed Dallas Keuchel to Bailey Ober. He goes five innings, kind of a classic Dallas Keuchel, a lot of weak contact, you know, some, some batted ball luck, but it was five scoreless innings. They don't have many reliable left-handed pitchers at all at their disposal. He can come in, get a ground ball double play, face some lefties. So, dude, Kenta Maeda as a reliever in the playoffs is lights out. So in uh, in three years with the Dodgers, he was strictly a reliever in the bowl. So he was a starting pitcher in the regular season and then strictly a reliever for three postseason runs with the Dodgers between 2017 and 2019. In 21 relief playoff appearances, a lot of them in the World Series, by the way, he had a 1.64 ERA with 27 strikeouts, five walks in 22 innings. Opposing hitters hit 185 with a 275 slugging percentage against Kenta Maeda, the reliever in the postseason. And he's facing like world sh- defending world champion Cubs lineup cheating Astros lineup in 2000, whatever, 17. So I'm just saying like their, their bullpen gets a lot better by just putting Maeda and Varland and maybe even Keuchel in the mix with some of these other guys. And Keuchel can be handcuffed too. I I mean, that actually did work out perfectly Mm because Ober has not pitched well of late for sure. And, you know, he gives up the, the five runs Keiko comes in, and yeah, he doesn't throw hard, but he pitched five. He held them hitless, the Rangers, for five innings and pitched really damn well. Um, Maeda and Varland especially, I think, give you back-end help. Uh, so I think I think Varland is probably a guy, to your point, Phil, that, that you say, again, especially if you don't trust Griffin Jacks by that point fully, He's a guy who comes in and you're just like, throw as hard as you damn can. Let's hump it up, dude. Yeah, My I like that idea. Both ways. But yes, I do think that the bullpen substantially improves. If it's used right, I think it substantially improves. And I'm with you too. If Joe Ryan can put can string together a bunch of appearances, like what we saw on Saturday, he's back to my three. Mm-hmm. Like he's back to my three. Yeah. And, and it's either it, like, you're, it's basically becomes the wild card. I don't know if he's on my first round roster. Yeah, it kind of depends. I mean, if because if you really wanted to, there's a bunch of guys. You don't need Dylan Floro. Dylan Floro has the best version of Dylan Floro is really helpful to you in the postseason. But if you're right. not getting it, would you? Ra- 
how much do you want to lean on converted starters as relievers right. in the biggest games of the season? Who and can Maeda, do it? To, your, to what you're saying, has done it before. Yep, so you I've know he no can do concern. it. No concern there. You should. What you should do with Varland is you should, if that's going to be the case, you should test that out in September when mm-hmm. rosters expand. He should be up in your bullpen, and mm-hmm. you should just see, like, can he get, can he get loose? Can he get ready? Can he, can he come in in the middle of an inning and pitch out of the stretch and all that stuff? Yep. The problem now, though, is because of the rules that have been in place for a couple of years, rosters only ex- uh, expand by two players, and that's going to be some guys who, who probably come back, i.e. Buxton yeah. and Castro. So, so it's not the old going up to uh, four, you know, forty players per team. But I agree. I would try that out. But I do think in in those two scenarios, you could have definitely substantial improvement bullpen wise for the playoffs and put yourself in a position where you don't feel like, oh my god, we threw Duran and now we're gonna have to throw Jax. He's scuffling and it comes apart, and you are absolutely screwed. Yep. Yep. So I don't know, I just I don't the bullpen right now, not comfortable with that thing in a postseason series. The bullpen with Maeda as part of it and with that's the thing. Like you don't need five starting pitchers when you get to the playoffs. So you're not you're not gonna be relying on some of these relievers like you would. You're gonna be putting better pitchers in some of those spots. So we'll see what they what they wind up looking like. And I feel like Dallas Keuchel is the break glass in case of emergency guy for a handcuff. So let's say you fall behind three, kind of like yesterday, right? You fall, you fell behind early five nothing. You don't want to start burning guys that you're down. So can Dallas Keuchel weather the storm a little bit, handcuff you as your offense maybe figures things out and chips away at a lead? I think that's probably the best way to go about that is to handcuff them with someone because the front mm-hmm. three guy, yeah, if Joe Ryan's back, front three. I'm I'm good with that. It's if they get to the ALDS or a CS, and now you're you know kind of wishy washy on who has to start because everyone's tired or burned up. That it gets a little more complicated. But those are good problems to have for a Twins playoff yes. team. Or like extra innings too. It's okay. Yeah. We, it's a it's a six to six game. We've already burned five pitchers or something, and there's it's uh, the Manfred man is not part. So th- these might be sixteen inning games. All right, Dallas Keuchel, get out there, man. Get out there in the tenth and. See if you can give us four innings. So they do have a lot of possibilities that are going to be in play here over the next few weeks. Any other final Twins thoughts before we get to the Immaculate Grid today? No. That was a very good discussion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just don't make dumb moves, and you, you might win a playoff game. But, yes, you, you guys nailed it. Sunday's win would not have been acceptable in my world. God, I can't wait till the, the, the day after their it. first playoff you can't win wait till Joey Gallo since 2004, and Judd is just furious on the my show. My prediction is you will lose that game, though. My prediction well, is why? that you will lose that game. You can make game. mistakes and still win a baseball game. I know they haven't over the last 20 years. but I'm just saying, I think if they're playing the Astros, I think the Astros take advantage there and win that game. I'm already planning, I'm already planning for my fiancé to be out of the house for that uh, series. She asked yesterday, uh, what do you want to do when the playoffs start? And I was like, well, if we love each other, you should probably leave the house for the 48 hours. Or don't I don't understand, me. though. They've lost 18 consecutive games. There's, like, no high pressure here. It's just gravy. I mean, if, if it's it gets, true. There, it, there is zero the pressure 20, on them. The they're the worst division winner. They're going to have a yeah. – they likely have a worse record than the team that they're hosting. You're expecting nothing. You're not expecting a series win. You're not expecting a World Series. Like, that's where there's pressure. That's where there's a combustible – combustion in the house you know okay a problem to that point because it's the it's the first time that we've really put zero pressure on them like fans and media this 
you know, I was at the ballpark on Friday night just as a fan wandering around. It's a very casual fan base. You know, people are half paying attention, but people are excited. This is this is more of an exciting sort of pop-up feel than maybe it should be. I mean, this is what they should have been the last two or three seasons too, which is where our frustration stems from. And they're and they're underachieving this year too. But I do think the lowering of the expectations yeah. probably helps this group going in. And they they're lying if they tell you that they don't hear it or think think about the streak, the 0 and 18, you know. And by the way, the fr- the front office for a couple of years could say, well, I mean, we're new here. Well, but now that oh, front right. office is responsible for like 33% of those playoff losses or not responsible for the streak they, was 14 it. when they arrived, right? I think it was 12. Oh, that's right. They lost three to the Yankees. Didn't they? Yes, they did. Three and including three the to the Yankees, two and, to the Astros, including a wild card game. So 40 and a wild card game against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But that was, that was Falvey, but Molitor, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Under Falvey. Gotcha. But the front office is overseen. Yeah. It, right? Well, they definitely yeah. hear it. Yeah, they definitely hear it. So they deserve to hear it. Uh, by the way, over at scorenorth.com slash shop, we have unveiled a fun new wing. All right. So we've had uh we've had the merchandise up there for I think like the past nine or ten months, or you can still find all sorts of fun merchandise. But now we have a collectibles wing where you can get your hands on, thanks to our friends at Universal Sports Auctions. These are all buy it nows, by the way. You can get your hands on some autographed incredible merchandise moments that are framed and signed. Like the most popular thing so far is the signed and framed Justin Jefferson one-handed catch. You'll see it on the YouTube screen here too. Uh, plenty available. There's a Tory Hunter custom signed Jersey in the mix, all sorts of Viking stuff on here. If you're a baseball fan to the Sandlot, a Sandlot Jersey with the cast signing. That's kind of cool and all sorts of fun stuff. So, whether you're looking for gift ideas or just things to put maybe in your man cave or your office, whatever it is, you can use the promo code SCORE to save 10% on all products site-wide. That's scorenorth.com slash shop. Click on collectibles. scorenorth.com slash shop and click on collectibles. Boys, are you ready? We're past the it. drama of last week, right? No one's done the Immaculate Grid yet today without telling the other show members, I don't think. No, I, I started the hockey one, but I haven't even looked at the baseball one. Okay. You didn't consult with Jesse Pierce, the queen of Immaculate Grid? Maybe do a Judd's Well, I just show. did one part of it, which mm. was the stars. I would say uh, the YouTube comments section, it's pretty split on who was it's in the right 50, and who 50. was in the wrong. Yeah, pretty split. 50, 50% of split the audience decision. is wrong. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> 50% of the audience doesn't care yeah. about the audience, is what I would say, ironically. But we are all together here, kumbaya, ready to go nine for nine on today's Immaculate Grid Challenge. So here's what we're looking for. We'll put six minutes on the clock. We're looking for a tiger who was once a diamondback, a tiger who won a gold glove, and a tiger who won the Cy Young Award. We're looking for a guardian or an Indian who was once a diamondback, a guardian who won a gold glove, and a guardian who won the Cy and then we're looking for an Oakland A who was a Diamondback, an Oakland A who won a gold glove, and an Oakland A who won a Cy Young. Before we start, I'm going to get us, just so we can have some parameters here. Okay. When did Cy Young Award start? Uh, it started, I think, in 56. In, in 56 with one Cy Young, and it broke I actually up in the 60s. I feel like uh, that's the easiest category because there's multiple I can think of for all these teams in this millennium for Cy. 
Yeah. Gold Glove was 57. Okay. Gold Glove. This is... Gold Glove This Immaculate tough, Grid is fully unacceptable. Why? First of all, I think it's the Diamondbacks. I don't like new, new teams. Second of all, I hate the Gold Glove. They're not even that, the, very, dude, the, the, the Diamondbacks have been around teams. for like 30 years. Give me more teams. But you I have want a more lot of teams. gripes with the Immaculate Grid. You have more I gripes do. than anyone else. I do. I'm off about it. I want more teams. I like doing players who played for teams. Ah, but, th- but then don't play the Pirates. Ah, then don't put in the Diamondbacks. I want more teams. And then, then there's less teams, and here we are with awards. Give me... Give me more teams. I, I for one, embrace today's yeah, challenge. Yeah, me, me too. I, I love this one. I think Justin we can... Verlander. Hey, let's put six, yeah. We'll put six minutes on the clock. Here we go. Okay. All right. So, okay. So, I mean, Verlander with the one of Cy Young. Yep. Yep. Who else would the – no, Jack Morris never did. I don't think he did. We got – Pitcher of the 80s, but I don't think he so, Jeremy Cy Bonderman Young. never won one. Oh, God. Um, Mike Marath. So, Mickey Lolich. So Scherzer, Verlander. Denny McLean? I don't. Because he won 30 games in 69. Oh. I think he won 30 games, which is incredible. I mean, if we're trying to flex our rarity score I mean, muscle, if you guys want to do the rarity let's score, say, Let's save can. that one. Let's save the Denny McLean guess for but the end. if you end, don't want to, that's fine, too. Let's, say, let's just save that box for now. Okay. We, can, we, we, we got Verlander in our back pocket. Kluber? So we know we can do. Kluber. Bieber. Bob Sabath- Feller? Sabathia. Uh, Bob Feller, I think, was re- when, when did Bob Feller retire? I think he missed this. I think he might have missed the Cy Young window. Okay. CC. Sabathia win one? You didn't win. Did he win one? one? Yes. Yeah. You won one. Yep. Yeah. So there's at least three, right? Three or four right there. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and pick your favorite one. Kluber. Oh. Sabathia. Sabathia. 25. It was good. 25%. Be high. Okay. A's. Oh, Zito. Vita Blue. Oh. I would, yeah. V- v- Vita Blue. He won the MVP, right? And yeah, the Psy. Yep. Cover Sports Illustrated. There we go. 22. Oh, 22%. Oh, that sucks. I was going to go Zito. Hey, for that. a Cleveland gold glove, Omar Vizquel probably won a gold okay, glove. Hold on. 10. Did he play for the Diamondbacks? Vizquel? Yeah. I don't remember if Vizquel playing for the Diamondbacks. Okay. I thought he bounced around a lot towards the end. I mean, might have. But I, I don't remember. I, just, yeah, I, don't, I don't remember that. Okay. We could go. We could go. There's probably Kittness? other ones too. Kitness. Was he ever a gold glover? Size more. I don't. Gold glove is so hard. That's a sad. Greatest field. girls. Boy, size more was in there in the Tory Hunter era. Yeah, it was tough. We yeah. know Omar Vizquel did, but yeah, that's going to be the obvious guess. Okay. That's fine. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah, the, the rarity score is going to be tougher on this one. Uh, yes. Dan Heron, A's and Diamondback. Yep, that's a good one. That'll be a high one too, right? Probably fifteen percent. Twelve. Twelve. Did JD Martinez I'm play guess in the for Detroit? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because he played for the Diamondbacks. There you go. JD Martinez. Oh, JD Drew would be a good one to guess sometime. Oh, okay, we're cool. rolling here. We have four squares left. Uh, we have three and a half minutes Cleveland, to go. Cleveland, Arizona. Did Kluber land with the D- with the D backs in one of his mm. cup of coffees? Uh, is this in? I don't know. Edwin Jackson. I wouldn't swear to it, so don't do it. What about uh, did, did uh, Jarrett Wright? Did he pitch for the Diamondbacks in the late 90s? Oh God, is this an Edwin Jackson? He played for Arizona for sure. I don't know if he played for Cleveland. I'm trying to think of those like late 90s Diamondback squads. Yeah. Craig Council never played for Cleveland. That's a tough square. You know, you had, you had Randy Johnson, Kurt Schilling, uh, Tony Womack. He never played for the... Kenny Lofton didn't go there, no. 
Kane mm. often did not play for the Diamondbacks, as oh. far as I recall. What about a gold? Let's let's knock out the gold gloves here too. So gold glove tiger, Trammel, Trammel, Sweet Lou, probably won one, but yeah, Lou Whitaker. Let's go Trammel. Uh, I think shortstop Trammel. Yes, okay. Alan Trammel. Judd seething at having to explain who Alan Trammel is to that one. I'm not seething. I'm not seething. I'm patient this week. A's uh, gold glove. A's gold glove. Tejada win one? Did he? Did Eric Burns win one? We don't know. Uh, Mark Kotze? I think it'd be like between Tejada and like Chavez. Both oh, Eric Chavez. Sure. Okay. He was at pretty good at the, at the hot corner, wasn't he? Eric this Chavez. This could be wrong, but I think you're probably right. I'm it's so hard. Right. Like I, I know. That's why. Yeah, 20. Yeah, good. Everything's that's 20%. That's why I hate the gold glove. All right, so we have two minutes to get. Well, basically, uh, we know that Justin, we can plug Justin Verlander in. It's just, do we want to take a chance on Denny McLean? Well, you know what? It doesn't even matter because we're not going for a rarity score yeah, today. So just go Justin let's Verlander. just go Verlander. Let's just I'm let's go nine sure for nine. Verlander won one, but yeah, yeah. Since we're not uh, Aaron, when Aaron that. Boone joined John Boy for a one, they actually were going for the highest possible answers. Instead oh, of going okay. for immaculate and oh, they were rarity, they were actually it. trying to go for the highest gotcha. possible square. That's a good one. Yep. Interesting. So we have we have uh, a minute twenty left to figure out a Diamondback who was an Indian or a Guardian. Okay. Former Twins too. I'm. The Pavano did Brad, didn't did go Brad, to Brad Hand play for Ooh. the Diamondbacks? Play for Cleveland. That sounds pretty. Brad Hand. He's Keep bounced around. Chaska's own. Ed, this might be an Edwin. I know he played for Arizona. He probably played for Cleveland. He probably did play for Cleveland. Um, outfielders. Dudes. Um. Chris Perez. The closer that you he was a closer for the Gardos in like a little bit. Did yeah. he also go to Arizona? That'd be that'd be a flex. Did, did Todd Jones uh wait, I don't know if he was Bob Wickman. Did he play for the, the Diamondbacks? I don't think he played for Cleveland. Did I think he uh, played for Detroit? Thirty seconds. Did Hafner go to the Diamondbacks? Travis Hafner? Oh my god. My Diamondbacks are probably, sucks. but I don't know. The Diamondbacks are such a it, it's such a transient team. You that's, know? What I'm, that's why I don't like them. It's these transients. Uh, I think it might be an Edwin Square. Uh, we might have to try Edwin Jackson here. Okay, let's try. Edwin Jackson has played for 14 I, major league teams. I, I think you're safe. We're desperate. We have 10 seconds to go. I think you're go. safe. I think you're safe. Hit Edwin up. Jackson. Oh! oh. I mean, ah. We have had a... Okay, I'm going to look up Brad Hand. I'm just curious if Brad wow. Hand... Trevor Bauer. That would have been the... Oh, that's the obvious. Obvious. so obvious. Trevor Bauer. Damn it. Damn it. Uh, 38% of people have gotten that square. That's a... That's no excuse for us. It's it's three of us. We're supposed to be sports geniuses. That's that's one of the lowest uh, percentage squares we've ever seen, though. Only 38% of people Uh, got... The most common by games played for both teams on baseball. Mark Reynolds, that would have been... Oh, you know who played eight games with Cleveland? Jason Kubel. Kubel would have been oh, a flex. Wow. By the way, that Denny McLean been... did win the 19... He won back-to-back size, 1968-1969. Yeah. Uh, Matt Williams was another one. For Cleveland? Yeah, I should remember that. Mm, that's he my, played there in 97. That's my, that's my bad. I'll take credit for that one. That's my bad. Uh, well, you know what? Jordan Luplo. We'll dust ourselves off. Current twin. We'll try again tomorrow. 
Luplo played for Boston. Richie Sexton. Oh wow, interesting. I just forgot about. I got to be. I I think the the D backs are one of the teams I know the least about. Like as far as like identifying players. Because guys go through, it's like you'll just have a random guy go through one at a time. Like, if you just pull up a random Diamondback season, like, let's just say 2005 oh, Diamondbacks. Michael Bourne. I should have gotten Michael Bourne. Speedy. Michael Speedy Bourne was Speedy. Yeah. Astros. Two, 2005 Diamondbacks. They had, like, like Royce Clayton played for the Diamondbacks in 2005. Remember that guy? Yeah. Royce Troy, Clayton. Troy Glouse. Oliver Perez. Luis Gonzalez has played for a few different teams. I, don't, I just don't Sean think I, Green. Did you know Sean Green played for the Diamondbacks? No. I just don't watch him. It's nuts. Alex Cintrone. That's another guy that's played for a bunch of teams. Quentin McCracken, former twin. How many, how many games did Sean Green play for Arizona? Or years? He had a big season that year. So he had uh, he played there God. for a year and a half. Tyler Clifford. And AJ Dodger, I remember. He had 22 home runs the one year and then got off to a hot start, got traded to the Mets <sighs> in 2006. It's a transient team. Like, they'll just have random guys for a couple years that you, oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> and then they move on somewhere I'll else. Dust myself off and come back next time. So, all right, well, eight out of nine. We're a failure. We'll try again here. If you guys could, to help boost the rejuvenated Scorner Twin Show, which has come back a month and a half ago from a two-year hiatus. If you could give us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and click the like and subscribe buttons on the Score North YouTube channel, we can keep this train rolling and growing all the way through. Maybe the Twins will win a playoff game for the first time in almost 20 years. Hope they do it right. 